Spiritual Life Center. We greet you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Bridges. I think there's always a bridge to something, bridge to yesterday, bridge to tomorrow, bridge to our left, bridge to our light, right, bridge above us, bridge below us. We're serving as a bridge to something. And right now I'm going to bridge to my talk. <laughs> it was 2005 when the movie The Secret came out. Remember that? And as I mentioned earlier, it spread like wildfire. And if you recall, you know, the trailer was, you know, had the feeling of a thriller. It was like, you know, the Da Vinci Code, you know, except uh, spirituality many times over. And Rhonda Byrne, who came up with the idea for that film, had the vision of connecting with a billion people on the planet. And my last understanding, she connected at least a half a billion people over the last year or two. And that film was mentioned in movies and talk shows, television programs. You know, it was, uh, and it continues to attract people all this time. I was talking to my nephew, who's, you know, much younger than me. And he's uh, even into it now, you know, after, you know, not being involved in any kind of, quote, spiritual work. And of course, the secret is based upon the law of attraction. And the basic message, if I could boil it down to, you know, a sentence or two, is that we can attract what we want or desire by simply holding fast to the belief. And if we hold that belief long enough and strong enough, it will show up. Of course, you got to do some work along the way. And if we continuously think about it, while in that positive emotional state, and there's, like I said, there's a lot more to it, but that's how the, the law of attraction basically worked. And when it first came out, I was just starting, and as the CEO of Unity Worldwide Ministries in, in Missouri at the time, and someone from the staff said, well, there's a reporter from USA Today that wants to interview you about the secret, since we're kind of in line with the philosophy there. And I said, well, okay, that sounds pretty good. I mean, how could this go wrong? <laughs> and I always say, never ask that question. If you ever ask, how can this go wrong? How can this get any worse in our life? The universe, you know, you know, ask and you shall receive. You end up getting a response that will show you many ways that things can go wrong. So, no, don't ask that question. Anyway, you know, I think I remember, you know, the interview, he asked me a few questions, and I said, well, it's a, it's a great introduction, 
you know, to the philosophy of new thought and, and unity and others of similar uh, ilk. But it doesn't necessarily tell the whole picture because there are other spiritual laws as well. You know, there's a law of giving, the law of receiving, there's a law of non-resistance, there's a law of compensation, there's a law of thinking. There's a many different spiritual laws that help us evolve. And many things that happened in that movie that people got the impression that it was all about materiality. It was all about money. It was all about acquisition. And the teachings, of course, are a lot more than that. And of course, they couldn't put it all in one film. I said they just gave a sliver of it. And I thought it was a pretty good conversation, a good interview. And then I read the article. So James Trapp, CEO of Uni Worldwide Ministry, criticizes the secret, says it's misleading. It's, hey, man, hold up. I didn't say that. <laughs> so you have to be careful whenever you get interviewed by a reporter. So Cotton taught me to be very careful with my words when I say things to the press. But the law of attraction is a very powerful spiritual law. But the point I was trying to get across, that it's incomplete. It doesn't represent the whole spectrum of the teachings of spirituality. Because it's beyond just acquisition. There's nothing wrong with getting more. Because I think the material things in our life are there for us to enjoy. But we don't want to make it the object of our life. The object of our existence. Because I've discovered in my own life and many others that when you begin to just get more and more and more, there comes a point you get so much it doesn't really give you satisfaction. As I always tell people, you can never get enough of that which you do not need. You know, it's impossible. But the secret was and remains a great hook to get one on the path, get interested in the philosophy. But it can be misconstrued because the universe is, is sometimes looked at as being our personal on-demand catalog and is here to satisfy our egoic needs, our personal needs, the surface level. But the goal of the law of attraction, all the spiritual law, is really to draw the best out of us. Not just to get on a material level. The getting is the side effect, the byproduct. The laws, including the law of attraction, is to draw who and what we are so we can be instruments of the spirit of the living God. So let the record reflect <laughs> that I believe that the law of attraction is a powerful spiritual law. You know, it's not new. A lot of people thought it was new when it came out with that. Of course, we know. I mean, I remember reading when I was in ministerial school, I think uh, an, an article in the 1800s by uh, uh, essayist by Prentice Mulford who called the law of success. And he, and he tagged the idea of the law of attraction the first time, I think, in that particular article. But it's been popularized in a big way by the secret and other uh, genres uh, throughout the years. And we're grateful for it. I think those who are involved in, in this movement, well, yeah, here's another way to get it out to the masses because it helped put us on the map, put us on the radar. So today I want to talk a little bit about that law of attraction and a little beyond that. There's a scripture from Matthew, the 13th chapter and the 12th verse that's attributed to the master teacher. And some folks are, have a little challenge with this scripture if they take it simply as a literal statement. And it says that for those who have, more will be given. And those 
who have will have in abundance. But those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away, which is kind of hard. If you already have nothing, they're going to take that away from you. That's a lot of taking. And as I read that many years ago, I used to think, well, that seems to be so unfair. Until I began to understand rightly or metaphysically what it meant. It's really telling us that our mind or our consciousness, where we're vibrating at, is like a magnet. And attracts whatever corresponds to its predominant state of mind. And our predominant mental state, our predominant attitude, is the main cause of nearly everything that comes into our life and into our world. And as soon as we begin to realize that more so, we begin to realize this is where we must begin to improve our life and to evolve our life and evolve our world. Understand this law or any spiritual law does not play favorites. We can say the God, the universe, the force, as I like to call it, is not a respecter of persons. It is a respecter of our awareness. It's a specter of our consciousness. And our consciousness responds to, and responds to the predominant mental attitude that we have. This is why we say that our thinking, and it's not our surface thinking, really our subconscious thinking, is really so important that we become aware of and begin to transform if we're going to have a different experience. You know, many have been raised, maybe like I was raised, to believe that somehow God, or this thing they called God, was some sort of reluctant deity that was, you know, a potentate sitting on a throne, watching, waiting to get, you know, us to demonstrate that we favored him. Or, uh, and if we were good enough, then we would be helped out by this presence. And, and sometimes we may have taught that we had to plead or, you know, or beg God for things. And we taught that maybe we had to please God to, to make sure that no bad things began to happen in our life or in our world. And maybe if we did too many bad things, we would get God upset. And I would say, well, you know, I don't want a God like that. That would be making God like a human being. So there's something that we think we can say that we can hurt God's feelings. And as a result, if we believe that, we believe that we have to approach God tentatively and hesitantly and be careful how we step toward that presence. Because if we do not do good and we do bad, oh, we will go to some place that will leave us in a really bad state forever, which is a long, long time. <laughs> but when we begin to see a God like that, we're making God after our image as human beings. We're giving God human traits. And so, you know, we sometimes may go to a little church and I used to think that, you know, we go to get a blessing from God and, and, uh, and, and the bad little world people, they're going to get the wrath of God. Thank God I'm not with them. And, you know, we, and, we, and that may make sense to the surface mind that doesn't really know. But then if we begin to look around, we look around the world, that whole logic begins to get messed up. We get a little confused when we see those so-called other people, the ones who don't know anything about spirituality, who never ever stepped inside of a church, and they seem to be getting all these blessings, and they look to seem to be happy, and they got a smile on their face, and here we are doing all the so-called right things and showing our homage to this presence, and we going through holy heck or more. But understand the universe reacts to consciousness. 
And so that so-called non-spiritual person that we know has spoken to the universe in a language that it only understands. It only understands its consciousness. And the universe has no choice but to fill it. Sometimes I used to think when somebody had some good fortune and it just seemed to fall on them. I was inclined to talk about that he or she must have been lucky. He or she just was in the right place at the right time. But how did she get in the right place at the right time? They had to be vibrating there. They had to be at that right level of being to, for those things to come into their experience. Among other things, that's what the law of attraction is about. And like I said, there's a lot of levels to this, but the two qualities that I believe we must employ to set this law in motion for ourselves. The first is desire. You gotta want it. You gotta want it deep within. You know, many of you may have checked out some of the Olympics like I did in the last uh, week or two. Uh, and I love watching individuals who have risen to the top of their game, so to speak, to be able to see individuals who are just excellent at what they do. Because I think it stirs something within me to say, James, you're slipping. you got to do a little bit more. you got, you got more possibilities within you. They're very inspirational. And I realize it takes a tremendous amount of desire to rise to the top like that in their field. And there was one swimmer being interviewed. And she was saying that, you know, I hated every single minute of training. But her desire was so strong. She had said to herself, I don't quit. I do whatever I have to do in order to reach that level of Olympic champion. And of course, she's one of the ones that got a medal. But anyone who's gotten to that level had to have a level of desire deep within them. They had to want it. Because desire is the key of the law of attraction. Because when a person desires a thing, they set up a line of force, a line of a force that connects them with the invisible side of good. Because our good is not always what we can see. What I've come to understand is easy to set a goal for what you've already done. You know, you know, I'm going to buy a new car. If you've done that before, that's not really setting the law of attraction to move to something that we think is beyond our human capability. And so sometimes we're here and the goal is there. We don't know how to get there, but we have to have that strong desire. And it begins to create a beeline so that we begin to find the, the, the pathway for us to get to that point. And if that desire somehow weakens or is changed, that force is disconnected. But if that desire is sustained, that good, one way or another, in whole or in part, will be realized. Because we cannot have a genuine, authentic, God-centered desire unless it already exists in one form or another. It's already there. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the desire. And that desire calls it forth into the visible form. So desire is key because the force or the universe supports our intention, our spiritual intention, our emotional intention. And desire includes a strong feeling tone. As I said, you got to feel it. you got to want it. As I 
reinterpret that song that says it don't mean a thing unless you got that feeling. You got to feel it. The feeling is probably the most important part of it all. You don't, you, I always believe that, you know, it doesn't matter how immaculate or impeccable your plan is. But if you don't feel and desire it with intensity, it's probably not going to work. You can have a plan that don't seem to work at all. But if you have that desire, oh, the universe will conspire to bring up whatever you need to do to get to that end result. And of course, the universe only knows our intention where we place our intention and our desire. Where are we vibrating? And I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Vibration, which is really the unconscious part of our mind, is the key that we have to begin to get down into and make sure it represents where we want to go. So desire is the key. And then the second thing to activate this law of attraction is expectation. Because I always say we do not get what we pray for. We get what we expect. What we expect, that ends up what we end up having in our life. You know, I had a spiritual teacher that once told me that, you know, there's no use to desire anything in your life unless you expect to get it, at least part of it. Because a desire without any expectation is simply an idle wish. It's simply a dream. We got to expect it. You know, there was a town in which there hadn't been any rain for a long, long time. And the rainy season was about to end. And so it was looking bad for the town and its well-being. And so the chief, who was like the guru figure in the town, gathered up all the people in the community and called them to come to his open palace so they could pray for rain. And of course, everyone showed up, at least most of the town showed up and People formed neat rows to pray and in the manner that was in part of their tradition. And there was a young child that at the end or toward the end came running up to the, the palace and was holding up an umbrella. He had his umbrella over his head and he came there. He was huffing. He was out of breath. And he ended up going to the back of the room and his umbrella was still open and the people couldn't help but notice all the commotion that was going on. And they turned around, they saw him. And then there was one of the leaders that was, you know, some of the people were curious, but some were a little annoyed that he brought this umbrella, was causing a disturbance in the force that day. And at last, one of the people there was, decided to just chastise the child. And asked, why in the world did you bring an umbrella, you foolish little child? Don't you see there's no rain? The sky is clear. And they were here to pray for rain. Only a foolish person would do something like that and bring an umbrella in a situation like this. And the little kid said, well, yes, I came to pray too. But I expect my prayers to be answered. And it rained based on his prayer, his expectation. We have to set up an expectation for what we want in our life. So we never desire a thing we do not expect. And conversely, we never expect what we do not desire. Sometimes we expect stuff and it's not good. You know, if we expect a rainy day, we're going to run into one. If we have some problems in our life, we're going to run into one. We're going to expect this and that. We're going to run into this and that. But much like the gravitational pull on our physical world, 
Expectation is a drawing force of the mind that acts on an invisible level. When we constantly expect what we persistently desire, we become some of the most attractive people on the planet. Because your ability to attract becomes irresistible. So desire connects us with the thing that we desire. Expectation draws us into our life, draws it into our life. That is the law. And that which we bring, the expectation, the desire, the way of being, is what we must become. We attract whatever we become in life. We cannot attract what we're not willing to become. That's an impossibility. So we become conscious of what we desire. We want that desire to be stronger than anything else. We become conscious of what we expect. We want to have that expectation with unmatched anticipation. We want to use the law of attraction for more than just the material things, which I said are okay. We want to manifest and become the qualities of the divine, our true self. And we attract those qualities when we go to that presence, that power, that love of God, simply for that reason only. We got to want that more than anything else. And that's why they say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and then all the other things will be added unto you. Go there first. Because we know that God's last name, the force's last name, is always what we want. What we need for ourselves, what we need for our world, it's in that presence. And if we have a genuine desire, we know it already exists in form in one way or another. So if we're having any disharmony or confusion in our life or in our world, we have to desire and expect peace. We have to begin to affirm, I am peace. If we feel a sense of loneliness or separation from the world or other people, we must desire and expect divine companionship and oneness, and we are one with this presence. If we experience any kind of lack and limitation in our life experience, we know we live in an abundant universe because there are limit, unlimited ideas, and ideas are the currency of the universe. Therefore, we must expect and desire spiritual supply and abundance, and we say, I am abundance. If we have any sense of disease or separation of, of, of our un, un, unease in our body temple, we have to expect that we are whole already. And that health and wholeness is the order of our day. When these qualities become the activity of our awareness, we're vibrating with the truth that is unchanging. And we attract that truth. And it's the truth that liberates us and sets us free. So we ask ourselves, are we affirming and attracting an energetic field for new headlines to show up in our world? Are we releasing any sense of discord that stems from a belief in separation and attracting the peace that is the order of the day and the nature of this presence? Are we desiring and expecting and attracting that we are bringing forth and calling forth politicians who serve as statesmen and stateswomen dedicated to togetherness and for the common good they are working for? Are we holding that consciousness and expectation? Are we releasing any fear of lack or, 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 or not having enough and really expecting that abundance that is always there for us? Are we releasing the belief that we're destined for illness or, Ill, or any kind of uh, sickness 
And we're expecting to attract that wholeness that is our divine birthright. Do we desire? Do we expect? And do we attract new headlines that show, yes, we are magnificent expressions of our creator? That's the consciousness that we want. That's the consciousness we must attract. And we want to protect that consciousness by releasing and denying appearances of any kind of limitation and affirming the desire and expectation that we are attracting only life-enhancing qualities. We want to protect that. And it starts by understanding we are more than we appear or think we are. I think Reverend Rick was talking about that. We're more than we think we are. We're way more than that. We already have all within us that's required to attract whatever we desire, whatever we expect. And our job is simply to kindle the fire, enhancing that energy field where that desired expectation is expressed and enhanced through our affirmative prayer and releasing ourselves from the bondage of any negativity or low vibrations. And as we do, like I said, we become the most attractive people in the world. That's it. Because we're in tune with the changeless. We're in tune with love itself. We're in tune with the spirit. We're in tune with the infinite, limitless nature of life. And that life is within us, and we simply activate it. And when we do, oh, stuff starts happening. And it's good. Because that is the nature of the universe, that is the nature of God, and that is our nature. And so it is. Peace and blessings. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center